0: A series that we've been in. Uh, this is a series called I'm In. And uh, we've got signs on the doors as you go out that say I'm in because we've been talking about that really being in is not being in here. The mission field is out there. And the church is not about just gathering people to be in here, it's really to send us out there. And so uh, we've been getting our series from Acts chapter 2. For the sake of time, I'm just going to read you one of the verses. Hopefully, you got it all memorized by now. Anyways, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They gave themselves, or in other words, we've been talking about in the series, they were all in. They decided they were in on what God was doing. They were in on the kingdom of God. They were in. They, they, they were devoted. They were dedicated. I just want you to know this. God's not raising up a church of spectators. God's raising up a church of participators. God wants you to be on the front lines of what he's doing. I don't like playing sports where I sit the bench. I'm just like, I'm not a good sport about it. i got a bad attitude. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I want to play. And this is good news about Christianity. You don't have to sit and watch. This is not a spiritual zoo that you get to just come and stand behind the glass and watch the animals perform. You get to be an animal. Come on in. The water's fine. You get to be a part of what God is doing. You get to participate in the kingdom of God. He needs you in the game. And this is what we've been talking about is being all in on what God's doing. The early church birthed in the Book of Acts, and uh, the, at the Day of Pentecost, and people get saved, and, and it's incredible. The the gospel begins to spread uh, around that area, and uh, Acts chapter seven. This is a couple chapters later, from what we read, Acts chapter seven. There's a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen, the Bible says, was a man full of the Holy Ghost and power, and he began to speak and be a witness to everything that Jesus had done, and he preached the gospel with boldness. Now, At the same time, there was a persecution that broke out against the church, and they began to persecute Christians, and in fact, they arrested Stephen, they beat him, they stoned him to death. This is the first martyr found in your Bible is that Stephen was the first mar- martyr of Christianity. They stoned him to death, and uh, not medicinally—real rocks—and they, they 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 stoned him, and, uh, and and he died. And the Bible says, "And Saul, who later would be Paul, who wrote two thirds of your New Testament, was standing there watching. He was a spectator at the death of Stephen." The the scripture goes on, Acts chapter 8, and this is where we're going to pick up the story today. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul, who later became Paul, approved of their killing him. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles... Were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I like that. They preached the word wherever they went, not just in church. Wherever they went, not just, not, not just sometimes, just wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. When they heard him and they saw him, really important for a church not just to be loud, but to be active. Really important for a Christian not just to be loud, but to actually do. When they heard and they saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. Can you imagine a city being full of joy because of the presence of the church? Can you imagine somebody just driving into Allen being like, man, I'm, I'm happy. Why are you happy? I don't know, man. Just I'm in Allen. And it's because the church was, I know it sounds silly right now, but this actually happened, is that the city was full of joy because of the involvement or the obedience of the church. Now, when I I was growing up and and, and outside of Seattle in Washington State, I graduated high school, started doing an internship. My brother and I, we started working at a road construction company, and uh, so we were working a couple jobs, and and, uh, we were trying to make money, and and, uh, I wanted to buy a jet ski, which I did. And then you guys know, I sold it, now it's on Jamie's finger. So, it's, uh, it's it was a good trade. Uh, um, I lost my train of thought, so, so i think thinking about jet uh, Or Jamie. Um, so we were working road construction, and, and, um, and it was crazy how slow the time would go by. I mean, I don't know if you have a job like this, but like the time like, would go so slow. I'm just watching the clock like, come on, come on, come on. This, is, this eight hours feels like eternity. And I, I, we were doing road construction, so you know like little bumps on the road? That was my job. We had a tar guy and we had a bump guy. I was the bump guy. And so the guy put down the tar, I put the bump down. And so uh, there's a little, little little buggy that you would ride in, which is kind of cool. And, uh, and, and just real low to the ground, you just put the, put the things down. But this is how I got my cardio back in the day. I was like, I don't need that. I'll just run. And they're like, we're going a long ways. I'm like, I'm cool. Eight-hour shift, I get six miles of running in every time. And it was, it was amazing. So I just do that and, and uh, try to pass the time, but it wouldn't work. It just went slow. And so finally, uh, my, our, our boss, he came to us and he said, hey, we've got a project for you guys. We want you to organize the entire warehouse for our company, and so we need everything. You can buy whatever you need to buy, but we need it, like, organized. Now, if you know anything about me, like, organization is kind of like my love language. Like, I like things straight. I like things symmetrical. I mean, it's just, like, like we talk about how you can do connect classes out of order. That was not my decision. Okay, if it was my decision, I'd be like 101, 201, 301, 401, in order, consecutive weeks. But I got overruled, obviously, and you can do whatever whenever you want, okay? so. But if I had it my way, it'd be different because I like things in order. I like things organized. I like the structure. It just feels right. It feels peaceful. A place for everything, and everything in its place, peace. It's nice. Some people that have a witness out there. Uh, also some that disagree. No, no worries. And, and, and so uh, we started to organize this, this warehouse, and it was crazy. We were working the first day, and, and we're working. It's like starting to get dark out. We're like, man, what time is it? Our entire shift had passed. it. Passed. We had worked our eight hours. We were working overtime. And we're like, well, that day went by fast. We came the next day, and we worked overtime again. We're like, what in the world changed? We hated this job. The time was going so slow. And now all of a sudden, we're getting overtime? Like, what was the change? And I'll tell you what the change was. The the, the boss gave us a mission. He gave us vision. And we got all in on what that project was done. And when we started counting the project instead of counting the hours, all of a sudden, the time began to fly by. And I would like to say this to you. I believe many Christians are not all the way in. And all we do is count the time, and maybe you're doing that even now. You're counting the time and counting the time, and you're just checking a box. And the reason you don't feel peace or the reason that you're not getting anything out of this is because you're trying to check the box instead of recognizing there is a mission that God has for the church of Jesus Christ, and it's not just to sit on the sidelines and watch. It is to step in and be a part. In, in the early church, and I'll walk you through this entire passage, in, in, in verse one, it says that they begin to encounter persecution, that the early church scattered. Everyone scattered except for the apostles. I was thinking about that. Everybody scattered except for the, except for the ones that were really in. Everybody scattered except for the ones who had walked with Jesus, been with Jesus, heard from Jesus, were, 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 with, were with him, heard his message. Those ones, it says they didn't scatter. The persecution hit. The apostles stood firm. Can I just tell you this? When you're all in, nothing can move you. When you decide I'm going to be in, nothing can shake you. When you decide I'm going I'm to be in on what God's doing, nothing can get to you. You've already made up your mind. I'm going to be in. That's what the apostles were. Now, the rest of, of the early church, they scatter. Now, this is interesting because in the Greek, there's two words for the word scattered. A lot of people are really impressed by my Greek knowledge, but I'm just really good at Google. Okay. So there's two words that represent scatter. mean uh, that, that uh, scattered has two, two, two different meanings, I'm trying to say. Two different meanings that it has. Scattered, one definition is this, to scatter, to make disappear. So this is what they felt like. They were scattered to make disappear. The enemy was trying to silence the early church. So it's scattered. Well, the other Greek word is the Greek word that we find in this passage. And it is scattered as into sow. One is to make disappear. The other one is to sow like you would sow a seed. So when the persecution hit the church, everyone's freaking out. Oh, man, where's God? We got filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Now where is he? We're getting persecuted. Stephen got stoned by rocks (laughs) and like what are we gonna do? What are we going to do now? And God was working behind the scenes. See, this is something that you need to know about God, is that even when the enemy attacks or opposition comes against you, God is always working in the background because what the enemy thought he did in scattering to disappear, God was working to scatter to plant or scatter to sow. Many people don't know this, but when Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel, the disciples didn't go. After the upper room, they stayed. But when persecution came, it forced them out of their comfort zones and now they went. Well, they didn't mean to go, but they ran from the persecution, but God was working behind the scenes to make sure that they got to where they were supposed to go. I don't know why you went through what you went through, but I'm sure glad you did because God is going to position you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. I wish you wouldn't have had to have that pain. I wish you wouldn't have went through that loss, but because you did, God strategically scattered you so that you would be a seed and someone, maybe here today, maybe that you're going to meet, maybe your kids someday, are going to benefit from your victory. You made it. You made it through for a reason. God is working behind the scenes. The enemy scattering is God's sowing. Oh, man, the enemy scattered us. And God's saying, what the enemy meant for evil, I will work for good. And he sowed them the early church huddled up don't want to leave in fear but the persecution came the perse- the trouble pushed them out of their comfort zone did you know that for many of you you wouldn't even be here today if you never faced trouble some of you came to church today because all hells breaking loose in your personal life and you're like honey we got to get back to church there's nothing wrong with it but god will use the persecution of the world to position us for great impact in the kingdom He'll use what the enemy brought against you to posture you for the great things that God has for you. And this is what happened in the early church is they were scattered to, the Bible says, when Jesus, with some of his last words, he says, go into all the world, right, and preach the gospel to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. They stayed in Jerusalem. But when persecution came, it said this in our passage, it says, and they scattered to Judea and to Samaria God was working behind the scenes. Verse 3, it says, But Saul, this is Saul that would become Paul, he began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now, I just want you to imagine this. The, the guy that shaped our perspective of the church, of who Jesus is, who great, what grace is, our, our, our church, our, our really our church beliefs, that guy that wrote that was actually a persecutor of the church which is awesome when you're on this side of it. Can you imagine the other disciples? Think about the greatest detriment to Christianity in the world today. Just think about it. It's going to be different for all of you. Because I know some of you, all you see is CNN, and, it's, and some of you, all you see is Fox, okay? But, but whatever the greatest enemy you see to the world, what if God had a plan to pivot the greatest persecutor to the greatest promoter? It's easy for us when we read what Paul wrote after he became a promoter of the gospel. But what if your buddies with the greatest persecutor and so before you send hate mail and before you write someone off as a lost cause and before you post that and before you comment on there you better be careful because God might have a plan for that hater to flip his life around and use him to promote the gospel that's how God works he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he works it for good that's what my bible says that he gives us beauty for ashes we love it when it's us Oh, we hate it when it's our, bu- when it's our neighbor or our brother or friend. Think about someone that's wronged you. That's dark, you know, but just think about it just for a second. Like, just, like someone that really hurts you. What if God has a plan to flip their life around and they're going to become your pastor? That's what happened. <laughs> Peter's like, yo, this dude killed my uncle and he's our pastor now? No wonder there was division in the early church. He's like, Man, I'm gonna have to see something. I need to see some transformation here. And we love it on this side, but when you're in it, can you even imagine the greatest persecutor of Christianity comes into Pastor Church 1132? Man, I'm switching campuses, I'm switching church, I'm switching religions, my God. Like, this will happen. But we, when we just have regular Americanized church, we just gather people. When we are the early church, the church of Jesus Christ, this is what happens. People that were once persecutors become great promoters. It's called transformation, friends. It's called salvation. Those who preach the gospel, this is in verse four, says those who had been scattered preach the word wherever they went. Now, I know some of you took a good, big, deep breath of fresh air. Get there. Said, oh, yeah, that's good. I'm not a preacher. But the, the context of this passage is not pastors and not preachers. It says the people that were scattered were preaching the word. Well, where were the preachers at? Well, they didn't, they didn't scatter. So the people that scattered were like me and you. They're just regular church people, just regular Christians. In fact, commentary says this. Those who preached the gospel weren't formal preachers, but accidental missionaries that couldn't help but talk about what Jesus had done in their lives. When the enemy tried to scatter them, God sowed them. When God sowed them, they couldn't help but talk about what God had done. And the Bible says they preached the word, but they weren't really preaching. They were just sharing out of the overflow of their life. That means that each and every one of us that are in this room right now, we're preachers. You're a pastor to your company. You're a pastor to your family. You're a pastor to your marriage. You're preaching wherever you go. There's a message coming from your life. It says even though they were scattered, the message of the good news of Jesus overflowed from their lives. Verse 5 says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. Now this is really interesting because it says that the, the church scattered, the apostles stayed. Now, after they stayed, Philip made a decision to go to Samaria. Now, it's important that you know this about Samaria, is that Samaria was a place where Samaritans and Jews did not coexist. It was was extreme prejudice, extreme racism that was happening in this culture, and this is why I love Jesus so much. Women were not valued. There was racial divide, and so Jesus goes right into Samaria, where he's not supposed to go, Sits down on the well, starts having a conversation with a woman who he's not supposed to talk to. I love that. Some of y'all think Jesus is like just really pacifist and just a rule follower. Uh-uh. He marches right into Samaria. He just sits down right on the well and starts talking to a Samaritan woman with one conversation breaking the racial divide and the gender divide. Because, so now Philip when he gets touched by the gospel of Jesus, you got to see this because this is powerful, Philip would have never went into Samaria. But after Jesus touches his life, All of a sudden now he goes, I've got to go into Samaria. Now this is why, I'll read this to you, this is why Samaritans were hated. The Assyrians conquered this area of northern Israel and they deported all of the wealthy and the middle class Jews from the area. Then they moved in a pagan population from afar. These pagans intermarried with the lowest classes of remaining Jews in northern Israel. And from these people came the Samaritans. Jews hated the Samaritans. There was deep-seated prejudice amounting to almost hatred standing between them. But Jesus had worked so powerfully in Philip's heart that there was no prejudice left. So he goes to Samaria. I, I've had the privilege of being a part of a lot of conversations and, and uh, even recently sitting around roundtable discussions with high-level pastors about what to do about the racial divide in the church and in America. And I'm going to say just a couple bold statements real quick as if that's something new, but I just thought I'd warn you. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm starting to get frustrated about all of the conversations we have about what we should say and what we shouldn't say and how we focus on this and what we should do. And, and I keep on going back to Philip who didn't know the right thing to say, didn't know what was politically correct or incorrect. He just, well, I'm gonna say it. He just got saved. He just got saved, which means he got, he got completely full of the love of God and when the love of God was in him, there was no room for hate. We're thinking we gotta like figure out a technique and a strategy and how we talk about it, how we posture, how we say it. How about we just get saved? How about we just get the hate out of our life? How about we get any place of prejudice, any place of entitlement and get it out of our own heart? That's called salvation, friends. That's what Christians do. But we're caught in the tension of trying to be worldly and try to be in the church enough and in God enough to be okay. No, it's time to break up with the tension and decide I'm going to be in. That's what Philip said. He said, "Now I'm so full of the love of God. I'm going to Samaria because I used to have a sense of entitlement, but now I understand I'm in need of what everyone else is in need of. I'm a sinner. That needs a savior. There is no greater. There is no lesser. It is us and we need him. And Philip goes to Samaria and preaches the gospel. If God's love fills your heart, there is no room for hate. Now This is where we're going to end in verse 6 and begin to wind down. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. When they heard... And they saw. In this context, it's talking about Philip preaching the gospel and then doing signs and wonders. But the truth remains true for each and every one of us. It is the congruency, the harmony of what we say and what we do. The, the Greek word for hypocrite, it is, is, it's defined as a play actor. The definition is a, is, is a play actor, someone who puts a mask on. So you, when you go into a situation, you put a mask on, and you're this person. You come into church, and you put a mask on, and, and, and you're this person. You're divided. You're not all in. You're this person here, and you're that person there, and you're this person over here. To be all in is to take all my imperfections, all my prejudice, all my ideas, all my doubts, all my questions, and just be in. God, you get me and my mess. Some of us are trying to get cleaned up so we can come to Jesus. Jesus said, Just come. Just as you are with all your junk, with all your garbage. I'll take care of the rest. I just want you in. The world isn't paying attention to the church because there isn't congruence, consistency, harmony between what we say and what we do. We are loud talkers and we're silent actors. We have a, our mouth is strong and our arm is weak. Our social media is awesome, but our action is lacking. James addresses this in chapter 1 in his book, verse 22 in the message. It says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you're anything but. Letting the, ear go, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror or walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they are. Look like. James is saying. Don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. And when Philip said something. And then he did something. It says the city paid attention. When he said something. And he did something. Then the city. Not the church. The city paid attention. Because it was something different. They were doing what they were saying. There was congruency. It was working together. I know for many of us, we we love the gifts of the Spirit. We talk about, man, I got the gift of prophecy. I I got the gift of faith. I'm going to tell you this. You can be a murderer, and I can give you a gift. Because you getting a gift is not about you being good. It's about me being good. But the Bible teaches us that the evidence of connection to God is not gifts. It's fruit. We love the gifts of the Spirit but it's not evidence of connection. Well, I prophesy prophesy all over my workplace. That's great. The only problem is no one's listening to you. Do you know why they're not listening to you? Because they're not seeing evidence of your connection. If you would show them evidence of your connection, they would listen to your gift. But there's no listening to the gift because your fruit is not there. This is how Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit in the Passion Translation. It says, but the fruit produced... By the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness and action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. This is what it says the fruit of the Spirit is. In the NIV, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. How are you doing on your peace? Showing a lot of fruit? How are you doing on your Love. Are you abounding in fruit? Patience. I'm going to keep on swearing up here. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Here comes the S word. Self-control. It says this is the evidence of connection. I thought the evidence of connection was my great faith. No. That's a gift, friend. I can give a gift to you. I can give a gift to you. I can give a gift to you. It doesn't matter. I can give it to anybody, but the fruit only comes to people who are connected. So the reason that the world paid attention was because Philip, he said something, then he did something, and then they said, we better listen to this guy. Now they paid attention, and now he can demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit, because now they paid attention to the fruit of the Spirit. How are you doing on your patience? How are you doing on your gentleness? Do you know that was a fruit? I wish they would have left that one out. (laughs) Gentleness? How y'all doing on your self control? We had two soccer games yesterday in 100 degree heat. I'm working on that one. (laughs) Self control. This is what it says it's the byproduct of connection is fruit. The fruit are things that we don't look at, that we don't think about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Self control. The believers begin to show the evidence of connection, and the entire city paid attention. So let me show you this. When the believers are in, what that means is when you're in, that means there's congruence between what you say and what you do. That the church you is not different than the work you. The work you is not different than the home you. You are the same person. You have the same character. You have the same integrity. Do you know what integrity is? Integrity comes from the word, a math term, integer. You know what an integer is? Anybody? Whole number. uh, You got it right there. I saw you. Whole number. Right. Little guy in the front row. That's what I'm talking about. Whole, 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 whole. In order to be all in, I got to take my whole self. A house divided against itself cannot stand. The reason you're unstable is because you're not wholly in you've got to get all the way in you got to be an integer you got to be a whole being you got to have integrity integrity is not one foot in the world and one foot in the church integrity is i'm all in i am completely in when the believers are in the world pays attention and listen to this when the world pays attention the city is full of joy The joy of the city is dependent on the fruit of the believer. See, I know we think, like in modernized Christianity, the church is just another thing that we do. It's another nonprofit. It's trying to do good things and raise good people. It's not. The church of of Jesus Christ is a living organism. It's active. It's moving. It's alive. When the church prospers, the city should prosper. Not Church 1132, the capital C Church. That's all the churches that are meeting and representing. We were talking about it on the drive over here. So many churches that are meeting today and worshiping God, all kinds of different expressions and thoughts, but worshiping Jesus together. But how many people don't know? We were driving by all these cars and I was thinking, some of these people don't even know we exist. Well, yeah, but we don't have enough room and we almost had to go to overflow. No, 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 no. It's not about how many seats we have, it's about the need. We can find more seats. But as long as there's need, we have to recognize that our own personal participation has a part to play in how we reach this city. So we've got to make a decision. I've got to have congruence. This is my word of the week, by the way, if you haven't noticed. I've got to have congruence. I've got to have harmony between what I say and what I do. It would be better for me to be quiet than to be loud and have no action. It would be better for me not to post than to post and be something different. It would be better for me to be quiet and then say something or preach something that I can't live out. I'm not trying to get on you or get in your business. I'm just trying to help you have peace. Because you don't have peace because you don't have congruence. You're torn between two opinions. This is what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Elisha says, How long will you waver? Between two opinions. If God is God, serve Him. And if Baal is God, or your job is your God, or popularity is your God, or riches, or money, or social status, then serve it. But you gotta make, a, make up your mind where you're gonna be all in it.